passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the BA Fantasy Podcast. This is your host, Jeff Ponce. I am here, as always, with my co-host, our lead fantasy analyst, the maker of RoboScout, and to give you long introductions. <laughs> Dylan White. How's it going, Dylan? Wearing, his, wearing his Blue Jays hat today, showing a little national. Yeah. I'm wearing the Blue Jay hat, and it's Monday, and Alec Manoa got shelled again uh six earned and one third of an inning so i'm putting on the hat to uh i don't know invoke the fantasy and baseball gods to figure out what's wrong with them trying to get some good juju going there you know um maybe maybe shake some of the bad spirits within alec manoa's right arm we don't know what's exactly going on. um next week i might turn the hat around so it's backwards if it gets particularly bad by Canada day you're going to be spitting inside of it to try to find some luck <laughs> <laughs> oh man um well over the last week Alec Manoa notwithstanding we've uh, done some big things we updated our fantasy list we did a 100 in the preseason uh though if you went through the dynasty list I think it was probably a little bit more than that and we did a uh fantasy 200 this time when we updated our first update of the season. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I feel like we, we had enough names. Um, some of it was valuable, you know, because uh, we can be as aggressive as we want to be with some of these, these names in fantasy baseball. It's a little bit different than our, our regular lists that we do where we're getting a lot of scout feedback. Not that we ignore that at all uh, within this process, but I think there's a little more personal bias. There's also a little more fantasy slant. Um, and a big part of that sometimes, this is going to be more of a like, you know, esoteric conversation, but like, <laughs> I feel like perception with fantasy rankings for prospects holds as much weight as like reality does. Um, and I think one of the reasons for that is people kind of use prospects in fantasy dynasty leagues like currency i know that depending on your team you know um you're trying to upgrade certain positions somebody's rebuilding they have you know an older or more established player um and you feel as if you, know, you can trade a couple of high-end prospects with some helium for a guy that can help you now i think more often than not that's typically the viewpoint on prospects that transcends any size structure or scoring format in any particular league dylan do you agree with that because the more i think about it particularly on the fantasy side i don't know if anything really matters other than helium 
and production to a degree, you know, outside of like the real obvious top 10 or 15 type of players. I, I completely agree. <clears throat> I think the name of the game and I think the name of real baseball as well is to find the inefficiencies. So sure. what is the le- the rest of the league overvaluing or undervaluing or not exploiting and, and take advantage where you can. <clears throat> so the way we say know your league format, like I think know your strengths, know your weaknesses and know your league mates and their tendencies. If they love prospects, then yeah, use them as currency. If they uh, hate prospects, then take advantage of that and, and start building assets through the, through the draft. But perception obviously is a huge part of that. So if, if there's a, if there's a difference, a discrepancy between the perception of a, a prospect and their quote unquote real value, then it, take advantage of it, either trade for it. If, if it's the one way or, or, or trade it if it's the other way. Um, so yeah, definitely perception is a huge part uh, of, of prospects, prospect game and dynasty leagues. Yeah. And I think, you know, we're always working with very small sample sizes and then everything kind of comes to a screeching halt in the off season. And then, and there's a little bit more concrete defined values on players in the off season. Like I always feel like depending upon like league to league, you can get very similar sort of feedback where right now within the wilderness, there's like a wild spectrum of opinions on certain players, depending upon what you value, what you look at, etc. So with all that being said, um, we have put out this list. We're going to talk through some of our biggest differences in terms of rankings, but also some players that jumped way up the list. Um, I don't think we have to talk about Jackson Holiday. I think we've talked about Jackson Holiday. I think everyone's talked about Jackson Holiday at this point. He's two at the list. He jumps up 14 spots. I don't feel like we really need to say anything about that. Kind of same deal with Yuri Perez. It's all been talked to like ad nauseum. Let's talk about somebody that did jump up significantly. We're not talking 10 to 15 spots, etc. We're talking 60. That's Junior Caminero. He moves all the way up to nine after he was ranked. 60 preseason. What are your thoughts there, Dylan? <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, I remember a few weeks ago, it was like, is Junior Caminero a top 10 prospect? And, you know, there was actually some some debate whether or not he is. And I think a couple of weeks later, and it's like, yeah, you know what? He is with all the graduations, yep. um, just him kind of continuing on with what he's doing. Now he's in double A. It's uh, it's kind of undeniable that the ceiling's so high, you know, thirty home run bat type of thing. If he if he can master double A and show that he can't be exploited by upper level pitching, he he can be a bit more selective and still get to his game power. Like the world's his oyster, basically. So you know we're betting on that happening. And uh, yeah, I mean, we have him ahead of, you know, Royce Lewis, who's in the majors and Grace Rodriguez, who was in the majors. So, you know, that's just kind of showing how much we believe in him. Yeah, absolutely. We do still have Grayson uh, at 10 overall. Um, 
I don't know. I think there's still some debate there. I know I'm a little bit lower on Grayson than you are, um, which is kind of crazy to say. I'm just I'm a little worried about the breaking ball quality and you know just how he's kind of backed up in consecutive years. But I don't know. No reason to get into a super debate here on that one. It's only seven <laughs> spots. We have we have bigger deltas throughout. Um, one that I want to kind of jump on here a, a little bit is uh, Jason Dominguez. We both have him in a pretty similar spot. I have him 12. You have him 15. Um, you can look at the batting average in panic. I think overall, if you look at what this guy's doing, the underlying data, the age that he's at in double A, I, I buy it, especially for fantasy. There's going to be power. I tend to slant toward more of an OBP focus because I play in mostly OBP leagues or leagues that value that in some way, shape, or form. Um, there's going to be speed. There's going to be power. And I honestly think the batting average will come around, you know, especially when he starts to face like actual league appropriate competition in a few years, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, for me, I'm 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 sort of at the point now where this is this is where Jason has actually been his most valuable, despite the perception. Um, I have no idea when the Yankees will promote him. They're not great about uh, us understanding any of that. And it's not the easiest environment for a guy with big expectations. So he does have to sort of wear that stuff on his shoulders. Um, but I think overall, like when we look, we look forward in five, six, seven years, I think he could be a top 20 player that we rank right now uh, pretty easily. What are your thoughts on, on Dominguez? Cause you're, not quite as high as me, but you're you're within shouting distance, whispering distance. <laughs> maybe I I know uh, like other outlets are talking, you know that they're they're dropping him because you know the batting average is hovering around the Mendoza line. But like you said, you got to ignore that. You got to look at the plate skills, the the high walk rate. He's only in his age twenty season in Double A, which is you know like four years younger than the average. He, his exit velocities underlying are, are plus. Um, it's power, it's speed, eight home runs, 14 stolen bases. It's uh, it's kind of all there. So, yeah, I mean, maybe it's a disappointment from from the expectations we had put on him <laughs> before he was before he was signed. But like there's nothing that's really soured me at all um, in, in what he's doing. I mean, I have him right now. I think he's third in the. Uh, in double a and robo scout behind colt keith and luis matos i just kind of re-ran it after yesterday's actually maybe this is two days um uh data and so i mean the the robot doesn't lie he's uh he's excelling um at age 20 in double a yeah absolutely um you know totally agree there we talked about that a little bit another big mover for me and i, I gotta be honest you're a couple spots higher than I am. I could probably even move him up now that he's back healthy playing again. Um, that's Colton Kowser. We've gotten great feedback on Kowser from opposing scouts and sources. Uh, I'm doing the update on that Orioles top 30. So I can tell you this firsthand because I'm doing the reporting myself. Um, we've actually gotten some votes, quite a few, for Kowser over Grayson Rodriguez from scouts frankly, and like experienced scouts for what it's worth, you know, just a little spicy take there for you. Um, 
you know, they think he can play center field, which for fantasy doesn't really matter, but he should play an outfield spot and isn't a butcher out there. Moves well, really good at bats. He's shown improvement against left-handers. And really, if like you're going to be deficient in an area, if it's really like you, you walk and don't hit a ton against left-handers, you don't see that many left-handed pitchers. So it shouldn't be that big of an issue. Um, power, we know about the on-base ability, the contacts there too, and he can run a little bit. So I honestly think Colton Kowser could be up, especially with like Cedric Mullins hurt, like et cetera. You know, it wouldn't shock me if Kowser ends up getting called up in the next week or two, frankly. Yeah, uh, that would be excellent. That would be excellent. I know he, he just came back. I think he's played two games now after yeah. his what was it, yep. leg injury. Yeah, in- indeed. So that's good. I, I, I just picked him up in my uh, my home league where it's a first come first served sort of thing. It's a 12 team nope. league, so it, it's not the deepest. I just traded Churio um, and I, I didn't have any minor leaguers. And so I, I just picked Colton Kowser up yesterday. So wow. this is this there is for go. my league mate who said uh, he can't wait to hear uh, on the podcast me talk about Colton Kowser. And I said, yeah, I'm going to talk about how he should be number one just so I can raise his value and take advantage, like I said, of, of exploiting your league mates by finding inefficiency. So I'll talk well, him up and then I'll trade him. He's number, he's number 16 and one of the guys in front of him is Francisco Alvarez. And Alvarez is probably going to graduate from prospect dumb tomorrow within a few at bats. So sort of, there you go. All right. Here's a, a bigger discrepancy that we had. We've done with Kowser talk. Is that okay? Dylan, or do you need me to do some more propaganda for you? No, I think that's good. I think that's good. All right. I've, I've done enough work for the Omaha steaks <laughs> that you're sending to my home. I appreciate it. We are both delicious and nutritious. Um, we had a little bit of a discrepancy, 11 spots on Drew Jones. Um, there's some panic out there on Drew Jones, even uh, not just among fantasy managers, but evaluators and people within the game that I've spoken with. Um, he is playing rehab games right now. Um, but the looks haven't been good. That being said, it's 10 games, people. I wasn't even, I was like the low man on Drew Jones, and now I find myself defending him. You are still kind of holding serve. You have him 14. I have him 25. Um, he ranked 17, so he actually moved up from the offseason rank, um, <laughs> which I think is a just a, a product of staying put and a bunch of prospects graduating, frankly. So it's sort of, you know, almost like moving back by uh, moving forward, so to speak. Um, another guy that we had a little bit of a disagreement on, we kind of have him flip-flopped, is Marcelo Mayer, now in double A. Um, he moves back from 15 to 18, which is kind of funny because Mayer has produced and Drew Jones hasn't. So why Drew over Marcelo Mayer? I know it's only nine spots, but but why why are you a little lower on Mayer? I think ironically it's because he's played more mayor. And so we <laughs> kind of see what he what he is in quotes. Like we kind of we see he's probably, you know, a really, really good real baseball uh prospect and player and will have a really long, successful career. Um as a fantasy producer, maybe not as much. And so, you know, the ceiling has kind of dropped because we're getting more and more information on what 
you know, he, he's expected to produce. Whereas <laughs> Drew Jones, um, ironically, because he hasn't played, it's like the ceiling is still nebulous and and we don't know we could still dream on you know 40 40 and center field gold gloves um because he hasn't proven it otherwise yet um that may change in a, in a month or two but uh i think that's kind of what it is it's like we can still we still haven't decided what drew jones is or can be and marcelo mayor is kind of kind of establishing himself as, as what he is yeah um I see it, but I think, you know, at the same time, like Mayer has been pretty productive. I know it took him a little while to get his, his footing in, in double A, but, you know, uh, another highly touted player um, who's hit. Do I think there's some swing and miss in the game? Sure. Um, I do think there's some impact um, in the approach, you know, maybe isn't as good as it was billed necessarily. Um, but I don't necessarily think that it's it's bad or indicative of somebody who's got like no plan at the plate and like no clue of like what's really going on up there. <laughs> I wouldn't say that he falls into that bucket. Um, but you know, at the same time, like I'm I'm definitely not like I'm not panicking in any way, shape, or form um on Marcelo Mayer myself. But no, definitely. I mean, but he he's 20. We just talked about Jason Dominguez 20 sure. uh, in double A. Sure. And, you know, Mayors doesn't really have the speed component that Dominguez has, for example. I know we're not comparing to Jason Dominguez, but just using it as context. He doesn't have the speed component. He is chasing more. Um, he doesn't walk as much. And so, you know, Dominguez is going to be the better fantasy contributor, likely, because he's doing all that at a higher level as well. So, well, at the bulk of Mayors' production has been at high A. Um, so that that's kind of what 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 it what I'm talking about here. Like he, if Mayer sure. is 20 at high A, he should be quote unquote dominating and putting up you know monster like Jackson Holiday type numbers. And <laughs> we're just not seeing that right now. We're just seeing a very solid all around great shortstop, which is extremely valuable in real baseball. But uh, you know if he's not putting up massive batting averages and and, and speed numbers, then you know you, you got to kind of lower him a bit. Yeah, but I think there's been improvement. Um just in terms of the power numbers, the underlying exit velocity numbers have been pretty good. You know, he's got a 90th percentile of 106. He's hit a ball 112 this year. Um, I think he's trying to balance the, the the hit tool with the power. And, you know, I think there's, there's certainly value in that. Um, you know, batting average and some home runs. Um, speed these days, you know, you can just get that for a – for a song, it doesn't cost you anything. <laughs> Everybody has the, has the speed now, right? Um, no, I think it's I think it's reasonable. I just I, like I said, I think I have him above Jones. Um, another guy that's moved up huge, huge amount of spots in our rankings, uh, Tanner Bybee, who's now moved up fifty seven spots. He'll probably graduate shortly. Um, I don't know anything you want to add here on Bybee. I have him sixteen. You have him twenty four. We're both pretty high on him. Um, he, he's quick. your guy. You go ahead. Wax poetic. I, I want to oh. hear it. I like hearing you talk about Bybee. Oh, really? Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the the command is at a point with good stuff that he executes. He gets deep into games. You know, regardless of what format you're in, he's going to give you fairly clean innings. Maybe he doesn't have the strikeout upside of a Gavin Williams or a Taj Bradley, two guys that are sort of within this range. 
Um, but I do think that he gives you the ability to sort of make up some of those numbers by pitching more innings. We haven't totally seen that yet, but I think as a dynasty rankings, we're looking long-term. I just think this guy looks like somebody that can go six, seven innings consistently, you know, um, really efficient with the pitch counts and really, you know, has avoided getting torn up over the sort of early portion of the season, you know, um, and, you know, his career. Um, we know about the stuff. It's good. Um, the fastball shape and velocity was ticking up this year. Um, I think it's another reason he's been able to come right up and, you know, not really get hit that hard or struggle with command that much over his first, whatever, seven starts at this point. So he's only going to be ranking as a prospect for another, not a 10 innings. So it's uh it's coming to an end fairly shortly but yeah i think if you look at just you know all the underlying stuff it's it's pretty good um and we know you know cleveland has done a good job of developing starters um and it's just you know a good sort of k to bb guy right where yeah he doesn't have the 30 percent strikeout rate or you know 10k per nine but he'll give you solidly like a you know a nine k per nine and two and give you some innings um, consistently without getting hit up too much and, you know, do a lot of heavy lifting on your ratios without really dragging you down in the strikeout category. So that's uh, just from a fantasy perspective, why I like Bybee. I think I've talked enough about his stuff and how he throws, et cetera. But um, yeah, I mean, he's gone six or more and, you know, three of his last four has gone five and six of his seven. Uh, you know, at least. So um, the performance has been good. So anyway, <laughs> nothing you want to add. We just want to let it breathe for a second there with Tanner Bybee. Um, take it all in. Yeah. <laughs> fair. That's fair. Um, I don't know. Let's, uh, let's look at another name here that's jumped up quite a bit. We'll take a quick break. Uh, Christian Encarnacion Strand. So Strand moved up from 81 in the offseason to 24. I have him actually at 22. You have him at 35. I'm a little higher on him. Um, and it's not my typical type of prospect, but all this guy's done is hit. If the Reds call him up, he's going to play in Great America Ballpark, which is a great place to hit. I think he's going to be bad in OBP leagues. I think in like standard five by five roto, I think he could have a lot of upside. He's going to hit for power. And I think the batting average won't ever be as bad as it probably should be given his approach. Um, but, you know, I don't know. The guy just figures out a way to hit regardless of a bad sort of swing rate and chase rate. Yeah, I mean the the power, the home runs, like all that should transcend the the contact, which isn't that bad, but the chase is really bad or or really high, I guess. Let me let me put it that way. Um so like I the projections look like he, you know, he's a 30 home run bat, he's an above average WRC plus. Everything's there. I think actually I ding him a bit because it's not the normal profile I like. Um is usually one that I, I like to take advantage of, like the Luke and Bakers, that type of thing, where it's like maybe a guy who's not the greatest defensively, who may be stuck at first base or DH, but it's going to mash and, and succeed, like a Luke Voigt type of thing. 
Um, but I think part of the problem is that it is with the Reds. I think they have such a, a glut of of prospects coming up. But Matt McLean is up, and Ellie Del Cruz, of course, is coming up soon, and Olvi Marte is not far behind. So it's like it's almost because they're too good and too young, and there's just going to be like a bottleneck of 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 spots for these guys to play that I kind of dig him a bit, even though he's going to play in great American ballpark. So I was just kind of cautioning um, uh, my, my rank. I lowered it a bit just to be, you know, he's still top he's 35 on my list. We have him top 25. Like that's obviously quite strong and quite high. Um, um, so like, it's not like we don't think he's good or I don't think he's good. He's obviously very good. Um, like I have him ahead of Andrew painter, for example. Um, so that just kind of a testament to it, to what I believe his production's going to be. Um, so yeah, it's, he's going to be, he's going to be up this year. Pretty sure of that. He's going to hit some home runs. Pretty sure of that. Um, he'll probably be like what we were kind of hoping Matt Mervis would be this year. Um, you know, a lot of power coming from a corner and uh, yeah, a, a boon to your, your fantasy teams. Yeah. And I don't know, I guess I'm not as concerned with the, the major league situation as, you know, Kevin Newman and Nick Senzel staying on the field, being healthy and productive. Just don't scare me because if those guys fall off, India moves back to second base. If Ellie gets called up, let's say, you know, he's at short or he's at third base. Matt McLean has played third base previously as well. Uh, that opens up the DH spot. I don't know. You know, I, I, uh, I think they can fit all these guys in. This isn't, you know, um, a juggernaut sort of lineup. It is the Reds still, even with their, their good young players. Um, you know, they're not, uh, they're not a juggernaut. They're, they're, they're still starting Stuart Fairchild and Will Benson and Kevin Newman and, uh, and Nick Senzel, though I know he is uh, now 27 and transcendent Nick, Nick Senzel, you know, his career has been a, a renaissance, a rebirth of Nick Senzel at, at 27 years old. He's played 45 games. I think it's the most amount of games he's played consecutively. Uh, no, I'm kidding. He played 110 last year, which is actually shocking um, that Senzel was actually healthy for that amount of time. But there you go. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm not all that concerned about this. I, I honestly think, like, Senzel has, like, a like a 30 WRC plus, you know. Um, I assume that at some point opportunity will open up as Encarnacion Strand got us a little bit older, you know, hits his way into the major leagues. Um, you know what? I said we're going to take a break. Let's take a break, and then we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. That's why I use Indeed for our hiring at Baseball America. It allows me to do everything on one website. I get quality candidates. I can schedule them. I can interview them. I can screen them. I can send messages to them all within Indeed. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Dylan, we are back. You still with me, Dylan? I am. I am. <laughs> I'm still here. Um, a couple more ranks I want to jump through, you know, talk a little bit about. This guy has been really divisive. Um, I kind of held serving him. And it's funny for fantasy. I think I, I, I'm a little more apt to take some risks, which is probably means I'm stupid. Um, but we had Emmanuel Rodriguez 29 in the off season. He's 28. So really we're just, we're, he's holding serve more or less. You have him 37. I have him 26. Um, what are your thoughts here? Um, how concerned are you? He's 37. He's still, he's still pretty high. Of course, you know, I've got him 26. So I'm not all that concerned. I think that it's tough to hit the Midwest league, you know, um, Young player, we knew there were some flaws, but there's a lot of potential upside with this particular player. So I'm willing to sort of see past it regardless of uh, the struggles with contact and the strikeouts, et cetera. But what are your thoughts on Emmanuel Rodriguez? I'm not concerned. I just wish that he had taken a step forward. He just showed so many flashes of greatness uh, last year before the, the knee injury kind of cut the season short that I was hoping for, you know, a huge continuation and move forward this year. Um, but it's kind of more of this, the same, a lot of passivity, not chasing, not swinging at all. Um, kind of gets him behind and counts. And then he, you know, he has a very high strikeout rate, but then the power is just so, uh, so high that uh, kind of overcomes that. So, I mean, I wish, I wish he had, you know, a better batting average. I wish he had less strikeouts, I wish he had, you know, even more home runs um, for a twenty-year-old at high A. Like we were, I was just talking about Marcelo Mayer. Like this is where you, you know, you kind of want him to to mash, and he hasn't really mashed. He's still in the top twenty-five on Robo Scout, but he hasn't had that, you know, that hot streak where like Diego Cartaya went on last week, where it's just like you know four home runs in four games type of thing. I fully expect that to happen with Emmanuel Rodriguez at some point this year. Mm-hmm. Um, soon i just we haven't seen it yet and so i'm just holding serve like the, the the ceiling is still so high it could be a 30 home run bat um very good in obp leagues um i do wish the strikeouts would come down that is a bit of a concern i just i want to see him be a bit more uh a bit more aggressive at the plate yeah agree um it would be nice to see a little bit more contact a little bit more approach so i got two guys here who were not ranked in our off-season top 100, who have moved inside of the top 40, that would be Matt McLean and Henry Davis. We have them back-to-back. We have McLean one spot higher than Davis. Um, I'm a little higher on Davis than McLean for fantasy, as funny as that sounds. Um, I just believe in the power a little bit more, but maybe that's stupid. 
Um, and you believe in McLean more than Henry Davis. Um, so make the case for Matt McLean. The case for Matt McLean is my robot friend, Mr. RoboScout. He, uh, he's basically number one in AAA. Um, we've seen what he's doing in the majors. So it, it does appear to have been quote unquote real. He just, I was off Matt McLean. I've said this before. Um, I kind of, I, I was off Henry Davis as well. Um, I'm very impatient uh, because I feel that, you know, with RoboScout and these tools I have at my disposal, I'm, I'm able to backfill my, my uh, minor leagues quite easily. So I'm very, I'm very quick to, to move off of guys. I, I don't, you know, drop them or anything, but I, I will trade them and, and move on and, and churn, I guess, so to speak. Um, so I was off Matt McClain and then, but this year, 12 home runs, 10 stolen bases and triple a, um, he has like the highest WRC plus projection. He's showing like 25 home run power, 15 to 20 stolen bases. It's just, everything was there. Um, and yeah, it's just, he's number one in triple a of RoboScout. That's like literally the top, top billing you can get. And so by, by definition, I have to be, I have to be high on him and he's not disappointing me with what he's doing in the majors. That's fair. No, it's absolutely fair. Um, I think for me with, with Henry Davis, I've seen a big bounce back, regardless of whether he's at catcher or not. It's almost one of those things that like, if he ended up at like first base slash like right-handed batter's box versus positions, um, with a DH, I'm totally fine with that. This is a guy that is showing great approach this year, you know, at an all time high, he's walking a ton, he's hitting for power. The strikeout rate is, it's always been pretty good. It's pretty close to excellent at this point. He's got a 17% walk rate with an 18% strikeout rate, uh, 10 home runs. As I said, he's even running a little bit, uh, seven for 10 so far in the base paths. So that's kind of good to see. Um, but there's power, there's approach. And I guess I'm a little bit less concerned about the position versus others. And, you know, I just think there's more power upside here than there is with Matt McClain. I could be totally wrong about that. Um, I feel like, you know, the more I watch Matt McClain in the major league level, the more I do think that the changes this year have uh, produced a, a potential above average regular. So I'm not even necessarily against it. Um, but I do like Henry Davis just uh, a little bit, like a nudge more than I like McClain. Um, but you, you're you pretty high on McClain. I, I can appreciate that because it's been good. Um, all right. I mean, just to, just to put a cap on that, Henry Davis actually has better contact, better 90th exit velocity, and, and better chase than Matt McClain. It's just he's at double A. And so just by the nature of the, the major league equivalency translations of double sure. A or triple A, it's it's better. But Henry Davis, who just got promoted to triple A a couple days ago, like if he if he does what he was doing at double A, he, you're mm -hmm. absolutely right. He, he'll have a monster power projection and, and all that. Yeah, exactly. So it'll be interesting to watch and see what happens there. Um, yeah, Pirates are getting more interesting too. All right, let's move on to another guy that was not ranked this offseason. Um, she had a couple here. Louis Matos did not make our top 100. He is now 42. Mason Miller did not make our top 100. He is 43. Another one um, is Edgar Cuero and Harry Ford didn't make our top 100. 
they are now all within inside the top 50. Um, among those players, which one is the biggest surprise to you if you went back in time and you talked to February Dillon and you said, <laughs> February Dillon, these guys are all top 50 prospects. Which one would drop February Dillon's jaw the fastest? I think no question, Matos. We had Mason Miller and Harry Ford at Requera just outside the 100, from what I remember. And Matos, not not nowhere to be found, but he was much, much lower. I was just as I was off Matt McLean, I was off Luis Matos. He, you know, he had that hot start a couple seasons ago, and it was all part of that that Giants international uh, camp or posse. Um, and he just kind of fell off and it was just like, he's swinging too much. He has the great contact and the ability to make contact, but he's like making bad swing decisions. And it just didn't seem that he was taking that step. But this year it's just, it's been, it's been, it's opened my eyes. His, his swinging strike rate is just minuscule. His contact rate is very high. His K rates low. He's running. He's now a triple a at the age of 21 and he's doing quite well there as well. He's the guy that I would have said, there's no way. He, he just, he missed his window, <laughs> which is very funny to say about someone entering his age 21 season. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's the one that surprised me the most. He's the one I'm the highest on too. I, I have him 27th. It's a, again, it's just Robo Scout has him. He's like the number two double A guy and he's in the top 10, I think for triple A. Um, he only has a few plate appearances, but uh, he's just at a young age doing all the things that, you know, you want to see contact walks, swing decisions, exit velocities, getting to the power in game. It's, it's all there. So Luis Matos is the guy that I was 100% uh, down on before the season. And uh, he's definitely won me over. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree. Somebody that's uh, definitely moving up. You're you're much higher on him than I am. You have him 27. I have him 62. That means he's ranked 42 right in the middle. I have two players here that we are flip-flopped on in terms of value that I think would be an interesting conversation. Both players were ranked in our off-season uh, top 100. Um, both players have moved up. Um one is Jordan Westberg. The other one is Adele Amador. Um, you're higher on Amador. I'm higher on Jordan Westberg. Why Amador over Westberg? I just I'm more impressed with with the the underlying stack cast for Amador. Um, just his like I uh, when I run my RoboScout in my spreadsheet, you know, I have like the red blue stack cast. Uh, color coding and his like swinging strike and his and, and all that stuff his contact is like bright bright red compared to his peers at high age 20 so the same age as marcelo mayor and emmanuel rodriguez to continue that the uh, the context um yeah he just he has a, a strikeout rate of 11 percent. he has a swinging strike rate of 5.1 percent. his contact it's come down recently and like uh, at the end of May compared to the beginning of May, but it's still, it's like almost at 90%. Um, he has more, well, I guess he doesn't anymore. Uh, he had more walks and strikeouts uh, coming into, you know, the last couple of weeks. Now they're basically flat. Mm -hmm. It's just everything there is just impressive. And Westberg, it just, I, I, I huge hopes 
for Westbrook coming into the season. I, mean, I had him in a lot of places. Um, I thought he would be the one that would come out of the, you know, the Joey Ortiz versus Jordan Westbrook versus Connor Norby versus even Kobe Mayo. I thought he was kind of head and shoulders the the winner, going to be the winner of that. And now I know Norby's fallen off and Joey Ortiz has kind of come up, but uh, I'm not I'm not as sold on Jordan Westbrook being the guy anymore. So it was more of me just kind of cooling a bit. He He's still excellent, obviously, and he's still going to have a, a very productive major league career, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, I've just, I just like what Amador is doing. I feel he's taken a step forward, whereas Westbrook has kind of held serve. That's, that's my perception. Hmm. Yeah, it's funny because Westbrook is, you know, having a, a, a better season than he's really ever had since his, uh, his first taste of, of low A. Um, just from a WRC plus standpoint, um, at AAA, he's hitting 308, 387, 15 home runs, um, very acceptable strikeout rate of 21%, uh, walk rate of 10%. He's going to have to be added uh, to the 40 man roster this um, fall, winter, however you want to describe, <laughs> late November when that date actually happens. Um, for me, I think he's somebody that could be up right away. Um, there's a proximity level there that provides some value for me with Westberg. Um, you know, I think the the Joey Ortiz thing, um, you know, I think part of it is how good of a defender Joey Ortiz is. Um, but I think the bigger thing is he was somebody who was already on the 40-man roster because he was drafted a year before Jordan Westberg. So, um I don't think it necessarily is indicative of the team shying away from Westberg because of ability. Um, I, I do think that he is a great trade chip for them right now and could potentially end up, you know, if they go after some pitching in the next month or two, um, it wouldn't shock me if Westberg got traded for a bigger name starter, right? Um, has a fair amount of value right now. He's major league ready. He's 24. Uh, he has not been added to the 40-man roster, so they don't have to make any decisions on him just as of yet. Easier from a roster management standpoint. Can play a few different positions in the infield. Really good athlete, should age well. Um, yeah, I, I like Westberg, I think, just from the proximity and some of the circumstances around him. Uh, the production's there. You know, he's going to give you average, I think. Um, you know, the walk rate is about average. It's, it's perfectly acceptable. And he's going to hit for some power. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of feel like the proximity guy there, I'll just lean a little bit more on, um, though, to be honest with you, I probably would move Amador up from where I had him ranked. Um, he's continued to hit. I've always liked Amador. I liked him when he was coming off the complex. Um, the underlying skills have always been tremendous. It's insane plate skills. He's starting to show more power than he ever has in his career. The underlying exit velocity data isn't bad at all. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I see a case for both of them, um, for sure. I think I just like Westberg's proximity just a, a little bit more than a long-term upside of Amador. Um, you know, that's really more of a, a contact and approach play though. I do think it'll hit for some power, probably steal some bases. It's not going to be a huge difference maker in either spot, but not a, not a blind spot at all either. Um, you can, I mean, Hearing this this pitch, I think you're absolutely right. <laughs> I think I should I should have Westberg higher than Amador. Um, just looking again at the numbers, especially because he's in AAA, he's already had a taste of the majors and and uh, or 
on, on the cusp of having yeah. uh, being on the majors and then Amador being in high A. I think I think I should have put Westberg higher than Amador. I just think that, you know, he's 20, Amador. So, you know, he'll be in in double A possibly at the end of this year. So still in his age 20 season, so 21 and then triple A, worst case at 22 and Westberg's 24 in triple A. So mm-hmm. he's kind of like two years ahead of Westberg's development, even though Westberg is, you know, two years closer to the majors. Um, I think I think Westberg is probably the actual smarter play if, if I were to make a bet. Yeah, it depends. It depends on what you're looking for. Yeah, so exactly. here, I want to move on to another one that you have lower than I do. Um, you still have Cam Collier pretty high. Uh, what's your case there? What's what's the sort of what are you seeing? What are you thinking? What's the robot seeing? Sort of what's your case for Cam Collier? Uh, I think it's just it's too early. We we had him reasonably high. What do we have him? We had him fifty two before the season. Um, I don't want to knock him off the top one hundred. I, I uh, like I said, I have a tendency to be fickle, and I want I'm trying to to not have that bias and just kind of be more patient. Um, so you know, we have him 74, so he has dropped. I know maybe some of the reports aren't that great. Um, maybe the conditioning isn't as great as we'd like to see, but uh, you know, he he hasn't embarrassed himself uh, RoboScout wise, from what I recall. Um, and so I was just you know, I I, I dropped him a bit. And uh, I knew that when we blended our ranks, that uh, you know he would go down to a probably a more appropriate level. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, I think uh, I think that's reasonable. We're just kind of split on that one a little bit. Um, you didn't move far off of like where you had him, of course. I mean, he's eighteen. Like yeah. he's still very young. His 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 contact is plus. Um, for the level and for his age, his 90th percentile exit velocity is above average, almost plus. He's chasing a bit more than we'd like, and he's hitting the ball on the ground. But, you know, like he's not embarrassing himself out there, especially as an 18-year-old. So, you know, maybe we would have expected, uh, you know, something more indicative of, you know, a first-round pick um, or a, a first-round FYPD pick as well. But, uh, you know, it's he's 18, so a lot, lot of time. He's only had 160 or so plate appearances professionally. Um, I'm trying to be patient. Yeah, that's fine. I, I was lower on I was lower on Collier probably coming into the year too. So that's not any huge shock. Uh I made a big case for my boy Emmett Sheehan, got him on the list at 80. I love the fastball. I think the slider's pretty good. The changeup has always been there. I think this guy's a starter. I think that he is the sleeping giant. You heard that right. <laughs> the sleeping giant in the Dodgers system. So I know that sounds like an oxymoron. Um, I am a, I'm a big fan, man. I got to be honest. Like I'm, I'm trying to, you know, get as many shares of him as I possibly can and have him rostered in as many places as possible. I love Sheehan. Yeah. Um, there's no question. He's, he's dominating. He's I think number two in, in double a on Robo scout. And that's only because Andrew Abbott had that otherworldly start of, like a 70% K percent or whatever it was uh, with the pre-tack ball. Um, so yeah, big, big Emmett Sheehan fan, Sheehan fan over here. Uh, it's just, there's so many Dodger riches to choose from Bobby Miller, Gavin Stone. I, I said I preferred Stone to Miller and I'm, I'm kind of looking foolish for that one after seeing Bobby Miller carve up the Yankees yesterday um, <laughs> and, Gavin, and Gavin Stone being sent back down. Yeah, right. 
But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like Sheehan. I just kind of didn't, not sure if he's going to be a guy, a starter that goes deep into games. Uh, that's maybe foolish. Um, and I'll look foolish again. Um, but I had him, I had him at 108. That's probably too low. He has to be in the 100. Um, but again, I knew that you were so high on him that he'd be pulled into the into the top eighty. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it let me be a bit lazier on my uh, on my detail because I knew that uh, we we'd have him in a good spot after the blend. Yeah, for sure. And we have some young guys here at the back of the lists. Uh, I think are really interesting players to follow in the next couple of years. It's Ethan Salas, Louis Laura. Salas, unfortunately, is a catcher. Laura is unfortunately very small. <laughs> We're going to try to pick on both of them. Um, those are two guys that, you know, for sure are names to keep an eye out for uh, over the remainder of the season and throughout the summer. Um, really interesting names. Unfortunately, Johnny DeLuca was 101, so we just missed getting him onto the fantasy top 100. Um, but he's been very good. He got called up this week by the Dodgers as well, which is kind of exciting stuff. Ryan Clifford just missed the list. Josue Paula, Tyler Black, uh, Louis Angel Acuna. In terms of the top 100, they are on the 200 list that you can go and take a look at. Um, but wanted to sort of mention some guys that were on the cusp of the top 100 because obviously with some of these players potentially graduating over the next couple of days, some of the stuff on this list could potentially change. Um, Dylan, the last thing I wanted to say before we got off the air I want to talk a little bit about Zach Veen because Veen has dropped tremendously from the offseason. 36, he's now down to 86. He's down 50 spots. A lot of that is myself, but you had 67. I had him 107. I'm not even sure that he's a top 100 prospect any longer in any way, shape, or form. It's been really bad, and even my internal feedback has Yankeel Fernandez ahead of Zach Veen. So, what say you? What are your thoughts on Zach Veen? You're a little bit more in, but it seems like you're you're still pretty down on him too. Um, I just don't see a lot that's going on after watching him in games. You know, I just don't know what what is it what it is that's going to work. If he's a guy that doesn't hit for a ton of power, I don't see the speed sticking around for all that long. Frankly. Like he steals bases and he's successful doing it. He's a good base stealer. I don't know if he's going to steal 30, 40, 50 bags like he has in the minor leagues when he gets up to the majors. He walks, he doesn't strike out, he doesn't hit the ball that hard, and he doesn't hit for a high average. I mean, you know, going back to um, last season when he was promoted to double A, you know, he's had over 70 games at the level and is. I think hitting below the Mendoza line. So I'm really concerned. It's kind of like orange alarm here, just about red flag time for me uh, with Zach Veen. So what are your thoughts? Am I panicking too much? Uh, I don't think you're panicking too much. I think everything he said is completely valid. He has a, a 78 WRC plus. So he is 22% like below the average um, in double A. And, you know, he has a high pedigree. He should be, he should be 22% above average. Um, yeah, the power is not there. He only has two home runs, 160 plate appearances. But the underlying stat cast is actually not horrible. 
Um, I do the the Robo Scout, the Robo Score, and then I I have the blend with the with the underlying stack cast. It's actually it boosts him the, when you when you fold in the the stack cast. His his exit velocities are actually pretty good. His contact rate is average. He he chases a bit more than average, but his like swing minus like chase rate is actually above average. It's it's not too bad. His his launch angle isn't. It's not like he's just hitting it into the ground. So those exit velocities are wasted. He's he's kind of elevating it a bit. Um, it's kind of like a launch angle average of like ten degrees, from what I remember. Um, so I I still think there's stuff underneath. Like he he's got 70 stolen bases. You say that the the speed is probably gonna come down as as he ages, but you know that's that's still brings some value. That'll still give him a bit of a floor there. I'm not panicking yet. I think the orange light, the flashing orange light is appropriate. Um, he's definitely not showing what we want to see in a top 100 prospect, but he does have sort of the ingredients underneath that um, could bring him back up there, in my opinion. Let's hope so. We need Zach Fiend to get hot and reclaim his spot on the throne. But um, yeah, he's uh, he's actually moving down to three in the Rockies list. Adel Amador and Yankeel Fernandez have passed him. Uh, I do that updating. So there you go. It's one of the reasons that I actually had Yankeel at 75. He just missed the uh, top 100 himself. So there you go. Any other players, parts of the process, name calling directed at me, anything you want to do on the podcast before we wrap this up? Uh, no, I, I think it's good. I liked I like that we went to 200, because um, all these guys I have like in the 100 to 125, and I'm like, oh, I really like these guys, and I want you know I want the audience to know that these guys are actually highly rated, and and even though they're not on the 100, you you need to know those names, and so going to 200 I think was great. I like the process where we blend the two, so if we do have a, a wide range, it kind of puts it in a spot where you know maybe that's where the perception should be. Um, so, you know, Zach Veen is a case in point. You have him outside the 100. I have him inside the, the 100 and then like combined he's at the back end of the 100. So I think, I think the process really worked. Um, and I look forward to the next update in a month or so. Absolutely. Well, there you have it. It's been another episode of the baseball America fantasy podcast. I'm Jeff. He's Dylan and you're listening. Thanks for tuning in.